exploring the lives of ordinary Chinese people, sharing stories of impressive personalities. Life up close, presenting real China in real Chinese living. Life up close, where you can find out the latest about the ever-changing Chinese society. I'm your host Sam Duckett in Beijing. In this edition of Life Up Close, we'll first take a look at a Beijing-based curator and her passion for art exhibitions. For curators at that time, the prime thing was to find a venue. We may choose to exhibit our art in the basement of an airport building, or a shop on Dong's Street, or any other possible place. Then we'll take you to Taiwan to see how technologies are changing people's lives. We have invested a lot of money just to make a wireless mouse that performs even better than a wild one. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to build wireless mice testing laboratories just to obtain a wireless connection that is as stable as a wild mouse. Robotic arms can be used to carry luggage. Carrying luggage is all about physical force. It is also a monotonous job. If we use a robotic arm, the personnel could play an even more important role, which is to provide friendly service, purely provide service. And robotic arms could replace the physical strength jobs in the service industry. I do see an ideal future in the cooperation of humans and machines. And lastly, we'll take a look at the children's books market on the Chinese mainland. I think there are increasing spring-offs of picture books. For example, some illustrated books could teach kids how to draw, which demonstrate educational value. The market share of picture books is expanding as well. In terms of theme, design, and print quality, these books look quite appealing. Stay tuned. Tang Xing is the director of Taikung Space, one of the most vital non-profit art organizations in China. For the past twenty years, she has devoted her passion and time to organize art exhibitions. The curator, with her own understanding of art, is also trying to influence the understanding and aesthetic taste of ordinary Chinese people. Tang Xing's story begins in 1996 when she had her first interaction with Chen Dongshen, CEO of Taikung Life Insurance, one of China's major insurance corporations. At the time, Tang Xing had already begun holding some contemporary art exchange exhibitions with some curators from European countries like Germany. Western countries hadn't focused much on Chinese contemporary art, but they were starting to become curious about it, and it was getting easier to forge contacts with other countries and arrange exchange activities. Tang Xing recalls the time between 1997 and 2003 when she was deeply impressed by some exhibitions. The first exhibition I held was with an art group in Germany. Chinese artists like Lin Tianmiao, Zhang Jie, and Cai Jie had some dialogue with German artists. But in fact, it wasn't formal dialogue because the artists from the two countries weren't that familiar with each other. 
Tang Xing curated exhibitions of her own bat simply because she was interested. As an independent curator, she had the freedom to organize and curate activities of whatever kind she liked. But there were challenges ahead. According to Tang, it was difficult then to display works by German or other foreign artists. Organizers had to get the approval of the Ministry of Culture before they could get support from others. Tang Xing held her first exhibition in 2001 when she was asked to do a project in Germany. As she was preparing to leave for Germany, she thought it would be a good idea to hold an exhibition in China first, since some of the works were representative. So she chose her first exhibition venue, and it happened to be on the 11th floor of the Tai Kung Life Insurance Company. A lot of people went to the opening ceremony of the exhibition that day. People from all walks of life together with hundreds of artists. But at the time, not too many people understood art, nor indeed Tang's exhibition. I remember one day I took a taxi and chatted with the driver. He asked about my job, and I told him that I was a curator, but he couldn't understand a word of what I was saying. I showed him the work of Yang Xiaobin, but he just got angry with me because to him, Yang Xiaobin's work were ill-omened works with twisted, bloody figures. They were bad luck. But Tong didn't blame the taxi driver. Art education in China lags far behind other forms of education, which are more advanced. A sense of beauty is subjective and can only be based on an individual's own definition. To Tong Xing, only works that touch people and bring some enlightenment to them can be called true art. Despite the setback, Tong felt she had found the ideal place to hold her exhibitions. For curators at that time, the prime thing was to find a venue. We may choose to exhibit our art in the basement of an airport building, or a shop on Dong's Street, or any other possible place. Tang's work was going well until the sudden outbreak of the SARS epidemic in 2003. People avoided appearing in crowded places, so exhibitions could no longer be held. For the first time, Tang felt a distance between art and people. But what the break in her work did was give her the chance to rethink what she really needed to do and what she was going to do next. Tang says the year 2003 was a turning point. From then on, she decided the situation where she was constantly struggling to find exhibition halls had to end. She wanted a stable venue where she could put on exhibitions any time she liked. Tang chose the top floor of the Tai Kung Life Insurance headquarters in Beijing as her exhibition venue. Over the years, Tang's Tai Kung space has made remarkable progress and has now won a lot of recognition from society. With all these achievements, Tang is expecting more from her art gallery and art foundation. Her contribution to Chinese contemporary art is also on its way to affecting more people with a passionate heart for art. Now let's take a short break, and then we'll take a look at how technological innovations are bringing benefits to people's lives in Taiwan. Stay tuned. China Plus. China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and the stories that matter to you from both inside and outside the country. Up to the minute reports about China, live streaming audio, and fascinating programs. Insightful opinion on everything China-related. Discover what's hot in our most read section. 
Everything in focus, all in one place. China Plus. Search the App Store or Google Play for China Plus. Everywhere you look today, China is in the news. But what about the lives behind the stories? How do ordinary Chinese live and work? Life up close answers the questions in your mind when you think of China. Over a billion people and as many stories from all over this vast land. Life up close, bringing you all you need to know about the real Chinese living here in China. You're listening to Life Up Close. Taiwan has taken gaming to a new level with its first e-sport festival at the Taipei Computer Application Show. Gamers who attend the competition have battled it out for thousands of dollars in prize money and the chance to try some of the latest technology on show. These players are feeling every twist and turn on the racing track thanks to Logitech's car racing arcade game. It imitates the real thing and comes with a cutting-edge steering wheel, hydraulics, and pedals. Logitech's marketing manager Alan Wan explains the characteristics of the steering wheel. Its function is different from its competitors. The difference with this steering wheel is that it supports various platforms. Besides the computer, it also plugs in a PS4 and Xbox. Its design includes a double-axis motor, which simulates the vibrations and gear changing during a real car race. According to one part of Taiwan's car racers training is done with this company's steering wheel. At this year's exhibition, Logitech has partnered with leading computer hardware maker MSI to sponsor the region's first e-sport festival. Gamers are vying for prizes that amount to over fifteen thousand six hundred U.S. dollars. The players are competing in the game Hearthstone: Heroes of Warcraft. Ari C is Logitech's manager for Hong Kong and Taiwan. We hope to have more competitions, environments of this kind, as well as gamers to have more interactions. The winners of this competition will represent Taiwan in the e-sport festival in Hong Kong. Logitech built its name providing computer peripherals to the IT industry, but now it is eyeing the growing opportunities in the gaming market to produce wireless controllers that match gamers' precision and sensitivity requirements. Erisi explains. We have invested a lot of money just to make a wireless mouse that performs even better than a wild one. We spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to build wireless mice testing laboratories just to obtain a wireless connection that is as stable as a wild mouse. Logitech is showcasing its G900 wireless mouse, which the company says can sustain 20 million clicks. The rise of esports means computer hardware needs to be able to cope with the complexity and speed of the games. Computer company MSI is showcasing its gaming series hardware at the show, which includes laptops, desktops, and graphic cards. Kazuo Wu, gaming PC project manager at MSI, elaborates. This computer has two graphic cards. They're using the latest NVR 1080 SLI chips, so this should be the computer with the best visual effects so far. The Taipei Computer Application Show this summer is home to 245 exhibitors, and entry is free. 
Besides the technological innovations in the island's e-sport industry, new inventions are also springing up in other sectors. In the service industry, the robots are slowly replacing human staff members for monotonous and strength-demanding tasks like carrying luggage in a hotel. A set of robotic arms has been on display at the Taiwan Automation Intelligence and Robot Show in Taipei City. The theme of the show this year is Industry 4.0, and manufacturers say the new industrial revolution right now is all about using robotics to do the dirty work, from ceiling high hoists to kitchen work surface coffee aids. Robot hands are set to replace humans for mundane jobs in the home as well as arduous lifting duties. Wu Wenqiang is the project department general manager at precision machinery components manufacturer Hewin. He believes robotic arms will allow human service staff to better concentrate on good service for its clients. He is using robotic arms can be used to carry luggage. Carrying luggage is all about physical force. It is also a monotonous job. If we use a robotic arm, the personnel could play an even more important role, which is to provide friendly service, purely provide service. And robotic arms could replace the physical strength jobs in the service industry. I do see an ideal future in the cooperation of humans and machines. Robotic arms are already widely used in Taiwan's industry. At the Chase Hotel in Taichung City, there is no human staff. Everything is handled digitally, and the guest luggage is looked after by a two-meter-high robotic arm. Peter Tsai, deputy marketing manager at the hotel, explains. Until now, customers highly appreciated the robotic arm. Customers in this Fengqia district are mostly young. It is very easy for them to accept the robotic arm as well as an unmanned hotel. Our operation interface is also easy to use. No matter young or old, customers do not find it difficult to use. Chase Hotel is located in a district with a large variety of restaurants and food stalls. There is no front desk staff, and all bookings and payments are done online. Tsai says not having to pay salaries to human staff allows managers to invest those savings into improving the hotel. Besides saving on a certain amount of personnel expenses each month, we enhance on the quality of our rooms. We also feed back on customers regarding the accommodation price. Tsai Fengchun is CEO and president at Sha Yangye Industrial Company Limited, a Taiwan-based components manufacturing company. He says robotic arms are now capable of carrying out all sorts of service industry roles, from police work to healthcare. If the robotic arm is used on a production line, it becomes part of the production hardware. If used on a robot, it could also dismantle bombs. If made into a traffic policeman, it could control traffic. And used in a hospital, it could become medical personnel. The robotic arm is just used the way people use their hands. More than 900 companies from around the world have taken part in this year's automation intelligence and robot show in Taiwan. Now let's take a short break, and lastly, we'll take a look at the children's books market on the Chinese mainland. Stay tuned.
Everything in focus, all in one place. China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and stories that matter to you from both inside and outside the country. Search the App Store or Google Play for China Plus. If you have any interesting stories about China to share with us and can speak good English, why not join us in our worldwide broadcast? Don't hesitate to phone us or send us an email at life at cri dot com dot cn. You are listening to Life Up Close in today's Chinese publishing industry. The children's book is the fastest expanding category, particularly in terms of picture books, with nearly four thousand new titles popping up on a yearly basis. The market potential is immense. However, as publishers and rights holders reap much from the soaring demand, they may stumble upon some challenges. Yang Yong takes us to have a closer look. Children's picture books are heating up, as many of them occupy the front row seats on bestseller charts of Amazon and many other online retailers, thanks to the policy to allow two children for all couples, and people's increasing awareness towards the importance of children's reading, many publishers and book hunters have shifted their priority. Liang Ying is one of them. Working at Qingdao Publishing Group of East China Shandong Province, she has come all the way to Beijing to look for new children's picture books. Having spent a few days at the just-concluded Beijing International Book Fair, the editor is gratified by the latest happenings in the business. I think there are increasing spring-offs of picture books. For example, some illustrated books could teach kids how to draw, which demonstrate educational value. The market share of picture books is expanding as well. In terms of theme, design, and print quality, these books look quite appealing. Although a great number of Chinese illustrations were presented during the fair, Liang is more interested in publications from abroad. 就是原创也现在已经开始爆发出来了嘛，但是真要达到国外那种水平还是很蛮难的。Homegrown picture books are booming, but it is still quite difficult for Chinese illustrators and storytellers to reach the international standard. I think the plot is the biggest problem. Above all, a good story is the most important. Some Chinese picture books tell stories from the perspective of an adult. They are not child-oriented enough. The same problem also occurred during the recently ended Shanghai Book Fair, as international works enjoyed a much stronger presence compared with domestic ones. Zhu Jiayun from Shanghai Book Traders explains. I think the main reason is that the cultural industry in foreign countries started early. Compared with us, their publishing market is more mature and professional. Professor Drenko Yokota is the committee chair of the Calder Court Medal, the top prize for children's picture book in America. At a panel discussion held in Beijing, she spoke highly of the visual merits of Chinese works. 
but also emphasized what distinguished the picture book for children really needs. One of the things that we look for in this kind of、um, high-quality book is in the way that the entire book works. So we look at everything from, of course, the illustration, but we look beyond the quality of the art. So if it's a book that is a story, we want to know about the plot, the characterizations, the setting, the literary essence of how you create mood, how you create an understanding of theme. So all of this is important within the book as a whole. The children's book guru suggests that in order to receive wider recognition, Chinese illustrators and storytellers should hold onto their cultural roots as well as something universal. Now, what we see in the world is stories about China, not by Chinese authors and illustrators. I see the problem as being twofold: one, that we need more Chinese voices in international. Places, not just people who speak English, but people who have the content knowledge of Chinese literature, Chinese book publishing. Then you have a good Chinese illustration expert, picture book expert, talking about Chinese books, so the world can understand more. But secondly, is high quality translation. I think it's wonderful that Mr. Cao Wenxuan won the Anderson Award this year, and it's because largely quality translation makes his work accessible outside of China. Thankfully, some Chinese artists and writers have already stepped onto the right path and gained foothold. Using the technique of traditional Chinese paintings and featuring family love between parent and child, Zhu Chengliang's book *A New Year's Reunion* was recognized by New York Times as one of the best illustrated children's book in 2011. While the country's youngest Bologna Award winner Yu Hongcheng found her inspiration from Chinese landscape and folk tales. In charge of children's book at Jelly Publishing House, Li Wei takes the copyright export from his company as an example for the global expansion of Chinese illustrated books. As for copyright export, we only sold twenty to thirty books before. From last year, the number jumped to eighty. I think we could achieve breakthroughs in 2016. As the transnational exchange in children's literature becomes more frequent, there will be more Chinese works being introduced overseas. Although problems regarding literary expression and child psychology still exist in picture books, Adia, an advocate in promoting reading among young children, is optimistic about the prospect of this particular genre. 当下我们划个数字一看，哇，我们怎么都是外国的？我们完了啊！那个。When we find out most children's picture books around us come from foreign countries, some people may get discouraged. But I think the main problem is that we are too late in the game. How could you produce a high-quality picture book if you never heard about them? Recently, we have helped the Confucius Institute select some of the best Chinese works for the Frankfurt Book Fair. During the process. We were shocked by how fast Chinese picture books have developed in the last ten years. We started from scratch. Although there's still a gap between our books and the competition, we have come around pretty fast. Give us ten more years, we could go further.
Thanks, Yan Yong. With that, we come to the end of this edition of Life Up Close. Hope you have enjoyed it. For more, please log on to our website of newsplusradio.cn. For our program producer, Yin Xiu Qi, this is Sam Duckett in Beijing. Bye for now.